if you want to t- turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to hang out there today. Um, and then uh, while, while you guys kind of flip there, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray really fast. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would just... Uh, just let your spirit rest in this house today, God. I pray, Father, that uh, I believe wholeheartedly every single week the people that uh, need to hear your message are sitting right here in this room, God, whether there's uh, 10 of them or 10,000 of them. God, I believe every single week uh, the people that are in this room are the people that need to be in this room for a very specific reason, God. And I pray, Lord, uh, this morning is no different. God, I pray that your spirit will guide us wholeheartedly, Father, that, that you will teach us um, your word, God, as we, as we kind of go through this series. God, start heading to the end of this series. God, that you would just continue uh, to teach us, God, and to move in our hearts and to uh, give us the ability to live uh, the story that you've called us to live, live the story that you are writing for us, God. I pray, Lord, that you'll just put your hands on this service, have your way, let your will be done uh, in your holy and your precious name. Amen. So um, one of the things that, that, that uh, my sister-in-law, she's, she's an incredible, she's an incredible girl, her name's Emily. Uh, I really love her. Her and I have a lot in common. And uh, one of the things that, that we do um, that she enjoys doing, she loves watching like TV shows. Like, we love watching The Walking Dead. And so when she comes up at night, um, you know, me and her and Emily and when her parents are there, we're all kind of crowd around and we'll binge watch a TV show. It's just something that we like. Courtney falls asleep in about five and a half seconds. And uh, so we don't let her pick anything we want to watch. And uh, that's just one of the things that we do. It's one of the things we enjoy doing. And, and for the most part, we're kind of on point with the same shows like Walking Dead. It's a really wholesome, uh, just a genuinely good show with a lot of life lessons um, about the zombie apocalypse. And, uh, and that, you know, really, we've gone through a couple of those shows, and we just we, we really like them. So, but last time she came up, she was going to be for two days, and she was just she was going on about the show, a show that I have uh, uh, never been interested in, and a show that I've never uh, wanted to uh, uh, watch ever, never had a desire to watch it ever, but she wanted to and I wanted to do it. And, and that show was Grey's Anatomy. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> and I thought about this. I thought about this sharing the story, and I was like, this is never going to, I'm never going to live this one down. But, um, you know, God has a tendency to just open up my eyes to things, and there was something that, it's a shut up. And so <laughs> we start watching the first show. I'm just kind of playing my game, you know what I mean? I'm just on the phone. I'm just trying to spend time with her or whatever. And me and Terry are talking. That's her dad. And, and we're watching, and I'm just, this show's just obviously like a chick flick, sorry, no offense, and like, it's just, you know, the love and whatever, and then the second show's on, and this is dumb, and third show, by the fourth show, I was just like, don't they know they're meant for each other? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting there, and, and then, uh, and then like, like two days later, she'd been gone for a couple days, and I was on season three, and <laughs> Courtney was like, I thought you didn't like this show, I was like, I don't, I'm trying to make sure I can spend time with Emily, and we're caught up, it's about building relationships, and um, and so, yeah, so I started watching Grey's Anatomy. But one, if you don't know anything about Grey's Anatomy, it's the show. Uh, it's, about, it's about doctors. It's about doctors, and it, and it opens up. And this isn't, I'm not endorsing this show in any way, shape, or form at all. Don't be like, Pastor Jordan, saying we can watch it. Don't, don't. All right, it's not a, it's, but it's a show about doctors. So one of the things that, uh, the, the whole show's based around the, these five interns uh, that come up, and, and, and if you're going down the road of being a doctor, um, which I'm sure many of you have been before, and, um, you go to school for a thousand years, you know, and uh, uh, you, you get out of school and then you go into a, 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 to be a doctor, your doctor, whatever, just say Dr. Green, for example, and you go into your doctor and, um, and you, you become an intern for that first year or two, and you're, you're serving under what they call a resident doctor, and the resident doctor is serving under 
um, the head surgeons, and the head surgeons are serving under the chief, and there's this, there's this whole plan. And, and, and when the interns, when they first get here, a large part of the show was there, they want to do all these surgeries, they want to get their hands on all these surgeries, they want to do all these things. And, um, and, and it's actually, it's, it's, some of it's really intriguing, and I've tried to come up with reasons to justify it for a man watching this show. There's really not any, but um, it really is intriguing the way they do some of the things and the characters on the show, they always want to do this. And um, they, they have the resident that these interns are working for, they, uh, uh, she's just kind of a, a kind of a meaner woman, kind of a strict woman, and um, and and they start having this conversation. They're wanting to do all these things, and 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 they're they're not really wanting to uh, you know prepare. They just want to get in there and just want to get their hands on the studies. And she starts. They just put them through this ringer, put them through this ringer, and then they finally get to this one part of the show later in the uh, later on in the show, and they have this conversation. Um, and they're basically just like, you know, why are you so mean? And why are you doing all this stuff? And why does it take so long? And why can't we do this? And I know all these things. And 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 they have this conversation, and she starts to expel out the reason why it takes so long to become a doctor. And even after you go through all your education, you get your bachelor's degree, and then you go and you, you become a medical doctor, you get your MD, and then you have to be an intern and then a resident and before you can start doing all these crazy things. And she said, here's the thing you have to understand. is It's not that um, you have the ability to do it, or it's not that you know. He says, she said, it's that you don't know what's going to be coming through that door. At any given second, you don't know. It's not like you can, you can sit for a week and study how to do a heart surgery because you don't know that, that on Friday when you're on call, if a heart problem is what's going to walk through the door. You don't know what's going to come through the door. You don't know um, in the heat of the moment when you're sitting in the, uh, and you're sitting in the, uh, the emergency room and, and, and they're doing something and something happens and a vein pops or they cut an artery or something uh, you know, incredibly bloody, violent, horrible happens. You don't know. You, in that heat of that moment, you're not going to be able to like, pull out your, your you know, school books and start going through and figuring out by the time you flip to the page, they'll be dead. Right and she and, and just for the record, we we want doctors that understand this, right? We want doctors. We we don't ever want a doctor, you know, to show up, you know, on the day of and be like, all right, they're going to get you prepared, and I'll be in the restroom uh, studying through what we're about to do. We'll see you in about forty five minutes. Like you don't want that to happen. That, that that's not the way that you want that. You want somebody that 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 went through all the eight years, that went through the internship, that that spent time. And she starts talking about. She says the reason why you have to stand here. And the whole thing was they they wanted to do it. They didn't want to stand in the room and watch people do it. Right. That was the whole thing. You don't want to stand in the room and watch people do it. And and they were saying what you don't understand is you don't ever know what's going to come through that door. You don't ever know, uh, and you've got to be ready no matter what comes through, no matter what uh, the test is, no matter what the situation is. You have to know what to do in the heat of the moment right then when there's no more time for preparation, there's no more time uh, to figure it out. There's, you just got to know how to do it, when to do it, why to do what to do in the heat of the moment right then in that very moment, or there's a strong possibility that that person that walks in, that they're not going to make it, that they're going to die. And so it's, a, it's at the utmost importance that you familiarize yourself with all of these different things. And, and I started thinking about that, uh, especially um, in the course of this, this, this scripture this, that we're going to concentrate on today. Um, because one of the things, and you've got to remember the heart of the story, and if it's your first time here, um, or you've been, you've been gone for a couple of weeks and you haven't been hanging out with us during this series, the whole heart of this series is living the story that God has for us, Go, being able to uh, endure through and be the person that God has called us to be and do the things that God has called us to do in this 75 to 100 years of, on average of life that we have, that we uh, live our life wholly and fully uh, for God and that we can become who we're supposed to be and, and do the things that we're supposed to do. And, and on the other side of this life, stand before Christ and he say, good and faithful servant, that that's the heart of it, to be able to make it through 
through um, the days. And one of the things that we said, we said we've got mountains in our lives and we've got valleys. We've got good days and we've got bad days. And the first things we said, the first part of this series was nobody quits on the good days. If you quit, if you walk out, if you stop, you're always going to stop on when? The bad days. The problem is, and, and kind of switching gears is, the problem is, is you don't know when that bad day is going to show up. Right? You don't know when that bad day is going to show up. You don't know. It's not like you're sitting down on Monday. I, I do Sunday night or early Monday morning. I'll, I'll sit down and I'll go through all my week. And it's not like, okay, on Thursday, uh, there's going to be a horrible day that comes. And, and I've got to get ready that I got to know somebody's going to walk in and, and we're going to have to deal with that or this is going to happen or that's going to happen. We don't know when those bad days are going to come. And a lot of times we don't realize it's a bad day till the end of it. And we want to go home and just hang out in the road somewhere until Mack truck hits us. I mean, we just, we just, don't, we just don't have that, that thing. We don't know when that is going to come up. And this is one of the things that as, as Paul is, is, is teaching Timothy how to endure, as Paul is teaching Timothy uh, how to make it through, how to grow and how to be just as passionate 50 years from now as he was in this day and, and how to be doing the things that God called him to do 50 years from now as he was doing right now in this moment and, and how to be the person that God called him to be 50 years from now as he was in this moment. He begins to teach him these principles that we've gone through. And just to remind everybody, I'm going to go through and I'm just going to read this and I'm going to concentrate on this, this one. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2 and this is what Paul is, is teaching to Timothy about how to make it through and endure and live uh, the better and the best story that God is writing for us. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things uh, you will also be, and that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who you will also be qualified to teach others. And this is where he starts. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. Um, the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And so this is what it, it, we, we went through the strength and in, in, in grace and where do we get our energy from and, and, and not getting entangled in civilian pursuits last week and learning how to just concentrate and focus on the presence of God. And then he gets to this statement. And this statement is a weird statement for me. Anyway, it, it, it messed with me a little bit. I guess it's similarly, which is a word I can't say very well. Similarly, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Now, rules have always been for me. You know what I mean? It's just part of the way it was. And I felt like, you know, when, especially, you know, in a competitive nature, you know, growing up playing football or basketball or whatever, everybody, and this is just the reality, and you see it, and you always see it in the opponent's scene. Everybody breaks the rules. That's why you have referees, right? That's why you have referees to call you out on it, to get in trouble, because if, if you're just playing hard, you're just doing your thing. And, and as I was trying to think about this thing, and I started doing research on this, because this is not the first time that, that Paul brings this idea up. It's not the first time that he starts talking about basically like the Olympic Games. He brings this up six or seven times throughout his letters uh, to the people. It's his, by far his favorite analogy. He talks about it in the Corinthians. He talks about it in Romans. He talks about it in, in uh, 2 Timothy. He talks about it in, uh, in, in, in some of the other letters. And, and, he, and he always comes to this idea of competing, this idea of the games. And, and one of the things that, that is difficult for us to understand the fullness of this is because we have the Olympics how often? Every four years, like we have the Winter Olympics um, every two years, and then the Olympics that matter the most, um, the cool ones in the summer. And nobody, I mean, nobody's like, man, I can't wait to watch shuffleboard. You know what I mean? But it's like every four years we have the Olympics. And it's not something that's a huge part of our culture. Would you say that the Olympics are a huge part of our culture? 
What would you say is a huge part of our culture, sports-wise, athletic-wise? Football, basketball, okay. So the way that, that we understand sports and we understand competition in, in America and even in this modern era is completely 100% different than the way that they did. And sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you got to kind of put yourself in the context because as I was going through and I was studying all these analogies that Paul was kind of giving to Timothy, you know, and I started doing the research, I realized that there is a, a huge difference when he's starting to talk about the games. And one of the reasons that he talked about them so much was because they're so peculiar and they're so unique. And this is kind of what the games were in this day. It was, all, it was a year-long event. They just did it year after year after year after year after year after year. And there were, there were 10 months you were selected as an athlete by passing a series of tests, and then there was 10 months of preparation. There was an incredibly strict diet. How many people love diets? Right? Everybody does. That's why we're all in shape. There's an incredibly strict diet. There was an incredibly strict workout routine and exercise routine for 10 months. 10 months. You had to go in and you had to do all this stuff, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And these were referred to as the rules or the laws. And, and so when, when Paul's talking about the rules and the laws, he's not talking about, because when, you, when you're doing an Olympic, when you're running, the rules are pretty basic. You start here, you end here, don't hit anybody in the throat, whoever crosses first wins, right? So what, where are the rules at? And so what we have to understand is that when, when Paul is talking about the rules or he's talking about the laws following the competition, that he's talking, he's not talking about anything that's happening on the day of the competition, the day of, he's talking about everything that leads up to that moment. There's 10 months of preparation, and then right before, there's, there's 30 days, right before the competition where they come in, all the athletes who went through the 10-month process, there's a series of tests and a series of, of rules and a series of things that they have to go through and compete to make sure that they're allowed uh, to compete on that day of. Does that make sense? And so when, when, when Paul is talking to Timothy about this, when, when, when Paul, Paul is, is trying to teach Timothy, what he's trying to say is, is, that, is that you're never going to be able to show up if you don't follow the rules, if you don't, if you don't go through the 10 months, if you don't go through the 30 days, if, if you don't go through the diet and you don't go through the thing and you don't, you don't go through the, the training and the discipline, if you don't go through some of these things, you're never going to be able to show up on the day of and win, Right? You're never going to be able to do that. Now, I know, I know like when, when you were in high school, and you almost went pro. One thing I've realized about myself, and this is probably not true for you, but probably for me, the farther I get away from high school, the better I was as an athlete, <laughs> right? The farther you get away, it's like your memory changes, and you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I dunked it a couple of times. I can't remember. You know what I mean? And, and, and when you think back in your mind, and you, you can't, if, you, if you played sports or if you ran or if you played basketball or something like that and, and you didn't practice and you didn't train for, for, I don't know, 15 years and then you just rolled out there one day um, and tried to do your thing, how do you think that's going to go? Not very well, right? And so when Paul is talking to Timothy about this, he's starting to unveil something to Timothy because what he doesn't know, and the same thing that we don't know is we don't know on that day of, we don't know when that's going to be. We don't know when, when you have that conversation in your marriage with your wife or with your husband, that, you know, that one conversation uh, that, that went so bad and you said some things that you wish you could take back, but you said some things that, that just penetrated to the depth of your relationship and things have just never been the same again. You don't know when that day is going to show up. 
Like you, you don't know, you don't know when, when you, when you begin to, uh, to, to go to work one day that, that, that something's going to show up, some, some cash is going to show up or some temptation is going to show up something. When you, when you make a decision or you show up on a day when you're about to make a decision or you're about to take something that isn't yours, you're about to do something that you never thought you were going to do that day that ended your job and cost you your job and cost you your reputation. The day before you never realized on that day that that was going to be the day that you got tested and that was going to be the day that you had to compete and that was going to be the day you didn't know that. And David, I'm sure that David, when, when David was hanging out in his house and he said, you know what, tonight, tonight I'm going to go up on the roof and I'm just going to hang out up there tonight and I'm just going to uh, do my thing, maybe play my harp and or look at the sword from when I killed Goliath when I was a kid and just, you know, and just reminisce, you know what I mean? And I'm sure that when, when David was there and he decided to walk up on the roof that night that he did not in the heat of the moment. And when he walked up and he looked over to his right and he saw Bathsheba hanging out on the roof over there naked, taking a bath, I'm sure in that moment he did not realize that that he was about to face the greatest test of his entire life. Because I'm sure that if there was a part of him that thought, if I walk up these stairs and I climb this ladder up to my roof and I hang out up there and I, I look over and I see that girl, I see that woman taking a bath, that I'm going to become so captivated that by the end of this season and by the end of this test, that I'm actually going to have an affair, commit adultery, uh, sin against myself, sin against God and have her husband murdered. I'm sure that he probably wouldn't have gone upstairs. I think he would have just hit the Xbox in the basement that night. I'm sure that when, when, when Samson was just kind of on the run of a lifetime, I mean, he's just like, you know, at the top of his game and he's, he's getting, picking up jawbones and killing thousands of people with it and women are coming after him left and right and he's just got all this and he's just on the high of a lifetime. I'm sure that when he started having these conversations, uh, when he started having these tests from it, Delilah and he started going through the, I'm sure that if he knew in the moment that if I don't get myself out of the relationship with this woman, I'm sure that if he, if he knew that this is the season and this is the test and this is the day that I'm going to betray my God and I'm going to give up all the gifts and all the blessings and all the things that he's done, that everything's going to come to a halt, everything's going to come to a blinding stop because I'm going to fail this test. I'm sure that he would have picked one of the other hundred women throwing themselves at him and just kind of stayed away from her. Does that make sense? And I'm sure that when, when Saul was king, man, God had picked him to be king. And, and he was just, they were having victory after victory after victory. And there was just everything that good that could have happened was happening. I'm sure that in that moment, as he went out to defeat the Amalekites, and God said, I want you to take everything. Don't take a dime from them. Don't take any of their animals. Kill everybody. Put everybody to the sword. Do it because I'm asking you to do it because I know what's best for you. I'm sure that when he walked out that day, and that guy, whoever it was, whoever that first general was or whoever that first advisor was that said, are you sure we can't just keep a little bit of the gold? I'm sure that, are you sure we can't just keep a little bit of the silver? We could really use some of these horses. We could really use, it makes a lot of sense to keep the king alive for bargaining purposes, for strategic purposes. I'm sure that in that moment, see, it's not that big of a deal. All those things make sense. And in the heat of the moment, Saul did not know that this was the test, that this was a season of testing, that this was a day of competing. This was a day that his heart and his mind was being tested before the Lord and before the enemy and before all of the people and that it would weigh such a heavy result on his life. I'm sure in that moment, the gold probably wouldn't have been worth it and he probably would have just killed the king and he probably would have just done the things that he was asked to do. But in the heat of the moment, we don't know those things. 
And I say this sometimes, and you know, the worst decisions that we make in the heat of the moment, for the most part, we don't know that we're making them. Right, when we get that job offer, this is one of my favorite ones because this is one I see in modern America all the time. We get that job offer and it's more money and it's a promotion and there's more power and there's more esteem and there's more honor. But that winds up being the test. That winds up being the decision that eventually ended and destroyed your family. Because along with the promotion and along with the money and along with the esteem and along with the honor comes time out of the house and time away from your family, time away from your kids. And so you wind up with the promotion and the honor and the job and everything makes sense and you, and you may have, and then all of a sudden you don't have a relationship with your kids and, and your wife, you don't, even, uh, you don't even spend time with her anymore and it just becomes what it is. I mean, how many people, how many families, maybe one of your own, you found yourself in these situations because you've made a decision or you've done a thing, you went through a season of testing, you went through a day of testing and in the heat of the moment, you did not know that this is the thing that's going to change my life forever. This is the day that it matters the most. We don't know. Dude, and I started thinking about that so much, especially over the last year, so much of my life. We don't know. We don't know those days that are coming. We don't know those days of temptation that show up. We don't know when they're going to come. And this is the thing that I want you to understand. On the day of, there's no time to get prepared. When David walked up on that roof and he looked over and he saw Bathsheba, the beautiful, this naked girl bathing in the heat of the moment, there's no more time to, to walk back downstairs and get a game plan together. I mean, after, after they went through with the, the sex and they went through the affair and she became pregnant and now he's got to deal with this problem. There's no, there's no time to go back and prepare in the heat of the moment. You're in it. You're in the midst of it. You've already made the decision. It's over. There's no time for preparation. There's, there's no time to, to go back. Once you say the things that come out of your mouth, you can't take them back. You've said them. Once you pull the trigger, that bullet is going somewhere. You can't take it back. You can't put it back in the chamber. And see, as, as Paul was looking into Timothy's life, as Paul was looking into this, this guy, the, he, the guy he saw like his son, and his hope was that he would make it. His hope was that he would go all the way through. The hope was that, that he would be who God called him to be and do the things that God called him to do at the end of it. And he, he's saying, listen, there's going to be days there's going to be distractions. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be opportunities. There's going to be these days that show up in your life. And if you aren't prepared on the day of, if you aren't ready in season and out of season, there's a strong possibility that you're going to lose that battle before you. And here's the thing, and this, and this is the... the, the I think the heart behind it, and getting back to the, to the show, the stupid show. You know, one of the things that, that they said was, you know, we want you to sit here and watch. We want you to sit here for a year and sometimes two years watching us. 
watching people that have done it a hundred times, watching people that have performed these surgeries, watching people that have gone through this, so that you know, so that what we're doing becomes second nature to you. So that you spend time with the surgeons and you spend time with these doctors and you spend time and you see how they think and you, and you see what they do so that no matter what rolls through that door, you're prepared to do the things that need to be done in the heat of the moment. And her point was you're never going to get that except for spending time with the surgeon. Spending time seeing the way that they do it, seeing the way that they're seeing how it's done. And then so in the heat of the moment when it comes, being able to just do it and go through it. And I started thinking about that in our life, in my life. I started thinking about that like when it, when it comes to uh, pastoring this church, when it comes to leading this church, when it comes to being the husband to Courtney, father to Aubrey, when it comes to, to being who God's called me to be and, and doing the things that God has called me to do. How do you prepare for something like that? How do you prepare? How do you truly prepare for a Bathsheba moment? How do you truly prepare in your heart for a Delilah moment? How do you truly prepare in your heart for those seasons of testing and those days of testing? so that you don't end your marriage or you don't forfeit your ministry or you don't lose a relationship with your kids or you don't lose years of your life having to deal with the consequences of sin. How do you prepare? Have you ever thought about that? That's a deep, deep, deep question. My natural response is discipline. My natural response is you just gotta you gotta learn, you gotta learn to do the things. You gotta learn to do the things. Whatever the things are, you gotta learn to do them. Right? Isn't that what preparation is all about? Isn't that what training's all about? To be disciplined, to get in there, to go through the workouts, to go through the running. Paul says 10 months, 30 days. To be able to eat the way you're supposed to eat and do the things you're supposed to do and just discipline, just discipline your way through it. You just need more discipline. You just gotta be disciplined. You just gotta do it. You gotta be disciplined. But that doesn't work. Just show of hands. How many New Year's resolutions from two, three years ago are you still doing today? Three out of like 300? 1%? Right? And how many, just here's your show of hands, to be honest. How many times have you had a New Year's resolution that was the same as the year before or previous years? <laughs> Everybody else? Okay. Right? Discipline discipline's not something, I'm telling you this, and this is the thing that I'm really learning in my life. Discipline is not something that you can maintain long term. It's not. Because you're never going to be able to do the right things at the right time in the right moment always. That's impossible. That's called Jesus. I know you think it sometimes, but you're not Jesus. And here's the thing. We're never going to be able to be like Jesus. In that sense, because we're not perfect. Does God see us as perfect? Does God see us as righteous because of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross? Absolutely. But you yourself 
And you're like, well, the Bible tells me that I can be perfect. Show me that scripture. And then when you make it through a year of being perfect, let me know about that. But I got a feeling God will prove you wrong himself. He's got a thing with prideful people. So as I just started going through this, and I'm telling you what, and I'm, just being, I'm, I'm being blunt with you. And I, I usually don't plan like this. I usually don't do things like this. But as I was going through this series, you know, I, I found myself trying to answer the question. And I started off with, started off with discipline. And I put some other ideas down. A couple weeks back when I was going through this, I started, I started putting some other things down. Well, you know, you've you got to be able to do this. You've got you to be able to do, do that. And this is, this, is how you, this is how you prepare. This is how you prepare. This is how you do it. And, and, and you've got you to you find your weaknesses. That's what, that's what training train is all about. You, you, you train to find your weaknesses, and then when you find your weaknesses, and you work on your weaknesses, and that'll help you in the day of, because you won't have any weaknesses. That makes logical sense. Right? And I was like, so discipline and, and, and finding your weaknesses. And I just kept going down the line, kept going down the line. And as I was praying, none of it, just none of it felt right. And so this one message, as I've been preparing for this message, the, the points all the way up to, to this very morning, I kept changing it, and 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 I kept changing it. And I just realized something. That we can't, we can't, I can't, and you can't be victorious in a Bathsheba moment. We can't, not in our flesh, not in our nature, not in our past, not in our history, not with our discipline, not with our stuff. We can't. Be victorious in a Bathsheba moment, in a Delilah moment, on the day of testing. But the Spirit of God that lives within us can be victorious on the day of testing. See, I'm never going to be strong enough to walk up on a roof, look over and have the opportunity that David had. I, I can say that I am. My wife really prays and hopes and believes that I am. But it would be arrogant and foolish of me to think that if David described by God as the man after his own heart couldn't withstand the Bathsheba moment, it would be arrogant and foolish of me to think that in the heat of the moment, in the same era, in the same season, with the same testing, with the same enemy, with the same temptations, with the same spirit that was against David in that moment, it would be foolish and arrogant of me to think in that moment that I could withstand that Bathsheba moment. And the truth is that we can't. But the Spirit of God that lives within us can And so, Taylor, you go ahead and come play, actually. And so I started to think about it on that level. I started to read through Romans. I started to read through some of Paul's letters. I started to read through this, and it just, it was an overwhelming truth that I've seen in the Scripture that we can't do it on the day of without the presence of and the spirit of a living God that's inside of us. And the problem with modern American Christians 
as you're trying to do it with discipline and you're trying to do it with finding your weaknesses and you're trying to do it with strategy and you're trying to do it with worldly wisdom and you're trying to do things the best that you can do except for a whole out utter dependency on the spirit of God and the presence of God. And here's the thing, that a conclusion I've come to, and a lot of you, you're not going to like it because a lot of you, you're like me. You think the way that I think and the way that I think, I don't like this. I realize that I'm never going to be able to be the husband that I need to be within myself to Courtney. That I'm never going to be able to be the father that I need to be to Aubrey. I'm never going to be able to be the pastor that you need. I'm never going to be able to be the preacher that you need. I'm never going to be able to communicate the way that you need me to. I'm never going to be able to lead the way that you need me to. I am never going to be able to do the things that I have to do. I don't have the power within me to be who God's called me to be or to do the things that God has called me to do. I don't have it. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I'm just not. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I don't have enough experience. I'm I'm never going to be able to do those things ever. But I know the God who will be able to do those things through me. See, I'm going to tell you something. And my fear, my fear about what I'm about to tell you is that it's not new. And you've heard it before. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, of course that. But I'm going to tell you the two things that are going to allow you to be victorious in that day. That are going to allow you to overcome that season of testing. And that is a strong, intimate relationship with the Word of God. And a strong, intimate relationship with the presence of God through prayer. And that's it. See, I'm telling you a lot of you, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna read your minds real fast. See, a lot of you, you know this, but you don't do this on a regular basis. Or you do devotionals here and there, but that's just not a part of your life. Or, or, or you see the Word of God as, as, as some things, and Jordan talks about it, and, teach, and Pastor Jordan teaches us, and, and there's some things here. But here's the thing I want you to understand. There is a deeply spiritual world that we live in. It is incredibly, out of this world, deeply spiritual. And there are things, there, I don't even know how to describe it to you. There's something that happens when a human being begins to live a life of prayer to God. Something happens that's unexplainable. When you truly submit to God in prayer, when you truly humble yourself to God in prayer, it's some type, and I'm just being honest with you, there's some type of doorway to the presence of God that opens, that can't be opened through any other thing than prayer. See, and there's things that are going on in your life and there's things that are going on in your marriage and there's things that are going on in your family and there's things that's going on with your kids and there's things that's going on at work and there's things that you're going to go through and there's things that you never see coming. There's things that you don't expect and they're going to show up. And I'm going to tell you in the heat of the moment, the only way that you will be able to last on that day is if you are in the middle of living a lifestyle of prayer, not starting a lifestyle of prayer on the day of because on the day of is what? Too late. 
So I'm going to tell you something. What I believe, I believe that everything that you've ever seen in this church has been built wholly on prayer. Everything in this church has been wholly on prayer. Every message that I've ever preached in my life that's ever affected someone's heart, ever affected someone's soul, it's not because I have the ability to teach. It's not because I have the ability to communicate. It's not because I'm this great teacher. It is because the presence of God is in this house. And the presence of God is in this house because myself and the leaders bow our knees to God every single day of our lives and we pray for the presence of God to be present in this house. Right? There's a reason why a couple 20-year-old kids with foolishness as their experience and stupidity as their history stand up on a stage and lead worship and preach and people get saved and awesome things happen. It's because the presence of God is with us. There's a reason why I look into this book and it just comes alive to me and I'm able to see the secret hidden things of God that exist in this book. It's not because I'm wise. It's not because I'm brilliant. It's not because I'm a genius. I'm anything but. It's because I humble myself before God in prayer and the presence of God sweeps into my life and gives me understanding and insight and allows me to teach you with power and authority. It's outside of myself. It's God. And I want you to understand something. You have to make a decision at some point in your life whether you're going to serve Christ wholeheartedly or if you're going to go to church. At some point, you have to wake up and you have to decide if I'm going to do the God thing, if I'm going to serve God, if I'm going to live the story that God's writing for me, what I'm telling you is, is that before you do another thing, you figure out and you learn how to pray because you need the presence of God in your life and it doesn't come through discipline and it doesn't come through exploiting your weaknesses and it doesn't come through strategy and it doesn't come through the wisdom of this world. It comes through prayer. You're going to have decision after decision after decision after decision in this life. And I'm telling you, if you make it without the presence of God, a part of your life, if you make it on anything other than the foundation of prayer, you are going to make the wrong decision. Because you will be led with your flesh and led with your nature and led with your pride and led with every other thing other than the presence of a living God. And I promise you, I tried my best to come up with some witty things. I tried my best to come up with some words that rhyme and come up with some three bullets and points and to come up with something that could communicate a little bit better than just prayer. But I'm telling you, if there's anything that I've learned from 10 years ago when I began to walk with God, it is this one thing, is that if you have a relationship with God through prayer and the presence of God is in your life guiding you, that's all you will ever need to survive the moments that will crush you, to survive the moments that will break you, to survive the moments that will kill your marriage, to survive the moments that will kill your future. You absolutely 100% will make it if the presence of God is a deep part of your life. See, the thing that you don't know about David, in the heat of that moment, if you go back and you look at his life and you go back and you study First and Second Kings, you go back and you study the Chronicles and you go back and you study Psalms and you go back and you study all of these different writings about David's life, you will see that from a young child, David was always dependent on God always dependent on God from day one, always in prayer before God, always writing songs to God, always doing the things that God called him to do, always. And there were people always against him, but he always rose to the top and he always made it until this one moment. Here's the thing that I want you to understand about this season of David's life. 
This season of David's life was the first season in David's life where there were no issues. He was king. He had all the power. He had all the wealth. In many ways, he was not in need of God like he was the rest of his life. And seeing what I felt like in my heart and my mind as I began to read some of the Psalms and, and read back, as, as I really felt like in this moment, when the money was an issue, power wasn't an issue, army wasn't an issue, nobody was coming against him, nobody was trying to take the throne, nobody was trying to take the crown, there wasn't a war, there was just, there was just these things, he was safe, they were defeating, what little war they were in, they were defeating it, they were winning. I just felt like the Lord just said it's in those moments when we don't need God that we kind of release him. I believe that David walked away in a lot of ways, that his heart went in a different direction, that, that in this moment he didn't have a dependency on God like he had the rest of his life. And so he had all the other things that you could ever think. He just didn't have the presence of God. And it's proven in the prayer that he prays. After it's all said and done, the repentance prayer of David. And if you listen to it and you go through and you study and you, you hear his heart, he admits, I walked away. And so I think as Paul is, is, is talking to Timothy, and he says this and it, it, word for word in another scripture, in season and out, be prepared in season and out of season. I think his heart to Timothy is on the day of when it matters the most, you and yourself will fail but you filled with the presence of God, founded on that prayerful relationship with the living God of the universe, you'll be unconquerable, undefeatable. Nothing will be able to withstand you. You will be able to get the crown. You'll be able to hear the words, good and faithful servant. And so my call to my people this morning is if you do not have a relationship with God through continual, daily, powerful prayer, my call is to you before you do another thing in this life, find that. If there is an ounce of respect for me and you, if there is an ounce of faith that you have in me as a pastor and as a leader, if there's an ounce, just a little bit, not a lot, just a, there's just a little bit of you that respects me enough to listen to me, I'm telling you, the greatest thing you will ever learn to do in this life, the most powerful thing that you will ever learn to do in this life, the wisest thing that you will ever learn to do in this life, the absolute most incredible thing that you will ever learn to do in this life is build a relationship with God on prayer. Learning to pray, call out to Him, seek Him in His presence. Because something happens, I'm telling you. There is a door that opens to the deepest part of who you are. God says in the Psalms, it says, let the deep call into deep. Let the, the deepest part of who you are, and I press a prayer for all the time. God, the deepest part of who you are, penetrate the deepest part of who I am. And you, when you begin to pray on that level, there's something that happens. And all I can describe it as is God, his presence and his spirit 
show up in a very tangible, real way. And it's that spirit and that presence that rises up inside of you on the day of testing. And you stand victorious, not because of the things that you've done, not because you're more disciplined, not because you're more righteous, not because you're better. See, that's religion tricking you into believing there's something in there that can do it without God. But you stand there victorious because of the God that lives deep with inside of you. And so this morning, I didn't want to preach long. I wanted just to close in worship. And I would challenge you. I would challenge you to seek God in a way you never have. Go after God in a way that you never have. Seek his presence in a way that you never have. Because I've been through deep seasons of prayer. And I've been in deserts where I neglected God. I'm two different human beings. You see it in David's life. He's two different human beings. You see it in Saul's life. He's two different human beings. You see it in his Moses' life. He's just two di- Everything changes when you open up your heart through prayer to the presence of a living God. Everything changes. So I challenge you, I beg you, go after God in a way you never have. Find prayer and the presence of God in a way that you never have. Because I will guarantee you this will be the thing that changes you forever. This will be the thing that allows you to withstand the seasons of testing in the deserts of this life. There is nothing else outside of the presence of a living God. If you guys will stand with me. I pray, Lord God, I release these people to you. I pray, Father, as the leader of this house, God, I humbly give the service over to you fully and completely. And I ask you, God, as we worship, I pray, Lord, that your spirit and your presence will be with us, God, and that you will speak to the hearts and the minds of the people in only the way that you can. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will lead your people to a season of prayer, maybe in a way that they've never experienced. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will bring up people, raise up fathers, raise up husbands, raise up mothers, raise up wives, raise up young people, God, raise up leaders who will humbly submit to you in prayer. They will begin to pray for their marriages, begin to pray for their kids, begin to pray for this church, begin to pray for me, begin to pray for revival, begin to pray for you just to be you, for you just to do the things that you do. I pray, Lord, that if there's even one person that goes after you in a way that they never have, that you will honor them. Your scripture promises that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. I'm asking you, Father God, honor that today in a powerful way. If there's even one that draws closer to you, even one that takes one step closer to you, Father, that you will flood and rush their hearts. I pray, Lord God, that you will teach us to pray because we don't know when we're about to have a Bathsheba moment. We don't know today's the day that we get tested but we must be prepared with the presence of God every day so that we can stand victorious. Just worship him this morning.